All right, Alexander, let's revisit the grain deal, the collapsed uh, grain deal. And it looks like the EU was uh, more reliant on Ukraine grain than uh, they led on to be. What is going on here? Well, I, I, that, this is absolutely correct. And we can see, as a result, a massive campaign to try to press pressure, cajole the Russians into rejoining the grain deal. Now, you know, there's been floods and floods and floods of articles appearing in the Western media. There's been comments by people like Josef Burrell. None of them, I have noticed, ever address the complaints that Putin has been making about Western non-observance of the grain deal, the fact that the West never, in fact, implemented the various promises that it was supposed to promise to, to, to implement. Um, Guterres, who's the NATO, sec oh, sorry, the UN Secretary General, has said that the Russian concerns were valid, and I think we should remember that. And by the way, so has Erdogan. So just 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 mentioning all of this, but it is now clear to me that Ukrainian food, and I should say food, not just grain. Most of this food is animal food, by the way, was absolutely essential for keeping food costs in the EU area down. And um, this is something I had not fully appreciated. It's not been widely spoken about before. It also turns out that the EU and uh, was heavily dependent on Ukraine for certain essential oils, food oils, sunflower oil in particular, if you live in Britain, by the way, you would know that sunflower oil is by far the most widely used cooking oil in Britain. And, of course, food inflation in the EU area, in the European area, is, of course, a very hot political issue at the moment. It's probably driving inflation increasingly. So we see a concerted effort to try to get the Russians come back into the grain deal. And that's taken two forms. One is a massive media campaign and diplomatic campaign going around telling people in Africa, in Latin America, in Asia, you see these wicked Russians, they're raising um, global food prices. More likely, they're raising food prices in the EU area. But anyway, that's what people are saying. And uh, an attempt to try and enlist these countries to put pressure on the Russians. And that's only worked to a very small degree. And the second is a major campaign to disrupt Russian shipping in the Black Sea. So that was what those attacks on Novorossiysk, as it turns out, were about. An attempt, the, attack, the attack on the Russian oil tanker, that was what it was all about. Remember, Russian grain foodstuffs also tend to transit via the Black Sea. And the idea is get the Russians to go back into the grain deal and offer them as a quid pro quo the fact that if uh, uh, they do, these attacks will, uh, will start to wind down. And it's furious campaign. Erdogan has been sort of brought in to try to convey this message to Putin at their forthcoming summit meeting, which is probably the reason, by the way, why Putin isn't particularly keen on meeting Erdogan at the moment. But this is this is the campaign that's underway uh, for the uh, for the time being. Now, I will be very surprised indeed if the Russians agree to this. And I'm going to say a few quick things here. There's been 
various articles. There's been lots of attempts, apparently, by the West to find alternative means of transporting food uh, from Ukraine, which don't go through the Black Sea, or at least not from Ukrainian ports. There's been talk of sending food down the Danube, through you know Romanian ports like Constanta, and um, also um, along the R- Romanian and Bulgarian coastlines. Apparently, people have looked into all of this. These are not viable alternatives for all sorts of reasons. There's a long article in the Guardian talking about this of all places. There's also, of course, the attempt to create land routes across Poland and Germany to reach the German ports, which would be the places that you could re-export this Ukrainian food from, or indeed send it to the European Union. That is a major political problem for Poland. The Poles have basically said they're not prepared to agree to that. They will even impose unilateral restrictions on imports of Ukrainian grain um, in September if the EU doesn't impose similar blanket restrictions. There's talk about setting up green corridors through Poland to get around this problem. I think Polish farmers would not accept that because they wouldn't believe in those corridors. The Polish government is facing re-election in October. It depends on the votes of Polish farmers. It's unlikely to agree to this. So major campaign to get the Russians back into the food Uh, uh, into the grain deal. And there is also two further worries. Firstly, uh, Ukraine's cut off from its one big independent source of funding, which is food exports. Secondly, Ukrainian farmers, it seems, are reacting to this by cutting their sowing. And there are now reports in Ukrainian channels. I saw a piece in Strana, for example, which is a Ukrainian website, that before long, Ukraine is a food producer. It might be past the point of no return if they can't export grain through the Black Sea. But the other thing, the second thing that's really worrying the Europeans is, of course, that there is one big grain exporter, food exporter, able to step in, which is Russia. They've had another bumper harvest. The ruble is soft. Intentionally so. Russian food is now extremely cheap on world markets. They're in a strong position to exploit Ukraine's disappearance from the food scene to take over Ukraine's markets. And, of course, the EU, because of the sanctions, is basically unable to take advantage of this. So you're going to see floods of Russian grain, 60 million tons of it apparently, exported around the world at cut prices, bulging the Russian exchequer because, you know, the ruble helps the Russian exchequer in these kind of situations. And so Russia wins and the EU loses. And this is what we're now seeing. Okay, so can you say that this is confirmation that... uh Putin's claims about 3% of the, of the grain was actually reaching the poorest nations and the rest was, was going to, to the rich uh, nations of the West. Is this, does this confirm Putin's statement? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, can I just say, I mean, there, 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 there are all sorts of attempts to sort of argue around this. 
I've seen claims like, you know, well, if you depress food, if you lower food prices in Europe, that will lower food prices globally and things of that kind. But ultimately, that is absolutely the, absolutely correct. The biggest importer of Ukrainian food, by the way, was China. That was where uh, that was the single biggest importer. I think I think Turkey and Spain were joint second. Except, of course, that in Turkey's case, Turkey is a food exporter. So what Turkey was doing was simply repackaging Ukrainian grain, Ukrainian food. As I said, this is mainly animal food and re-exporting it to Europe. So that was where it was going. So um, and then, of course, if you look beyond that, it's various um, other EU countries. So it, it was not going to Africa or Egypt, or all of those places to any degree. They mainly import their food, as it turns out, from Russia. Okay. So uh, can, can you explain a bit about the, the ruble that you mentioned, yeah. the, how, yeah. uh, how the, the ruble exchange, where the ruble is at right now, is helping Russia? Yeah. What do you think uh, about the fact that the ruble is, is, uh, is falling in comparison yes. to uh, the, uh, the, the USD and the, and the euro? Yeah, I think this is an important thing to try and understand, because I, I always come up with these issues about the ruble. Every couple of years, people talk about the ruble, and there's a ruble crisis. You remember they were doing that last year, now they're doing it a bit this year. What the Russians do is they operate what's called a dirty float. Now, uh, in a kind of a way, they would never admit this, by the way, they manipulate the ruble's um, value. Um, now, last year, Russia wasn't importing and oil prices were high. So because the Russian economy at that point was in recession and it was recovering from the sanctions shock. So it made sense at that time to try to build confidence in the ruble and to use the ruble to lower um, inflation in Russia by allowing the ruble to become very strong. And it did become extremely strong. It reached something like 59 to 62, 63 to the USD. And that brought down inflation, that stabilized the financial system. It gave the Russian government time and space to sort things out. And because oil prices were very high last year, it didn't really affect the budget very much because oil receipts were very, very strong. Now, this year it's been different. Firstly, the Russian economy is surging. It's growing very fast, faster, I suspect, than the official figures uh, suggest. There are signs of overheating, and that means that imports, not from the West, of course, but principally from places like China, India and those kind of places are rising. Secondly, Russian exports have taken a hit because over the course of the winter and spring, oil prices fell. And that was in part because the Russians responded to the restrictions on their oil exports to the EU and to the US by pumping a lot more oil into the markets, into the global markets, especially in the Far East, in order to win market share there. And they were keen at that time to give discounts. Now, what's happened is as, as time has progressed, fall in Russian 
energy revenues meant a sharp fall in the Russian trade surplus and the Russian current account, that's not just the trade surplus, but the money that goes in and the money that goes out in Russia, in the second quarter of this year, almost went from surplus to balance. And the one thing the Russians will not allow is their current account to go into deficit. It's absolutely something they do not want to see happen. So what you have seen are two things. Firstly, the Russians, having now one market share in the Far East, are now cutting oil production. And together with the Saudis, that is putting an upward pressure on oil prices. Oil prices are now rush, are now rising. Whether coincidentally or not, they've pulled out of the grain deal. They've stopped Ukrainian grain exports to all intents and purposes. They're well positioned to increase their food exports as well. So rising oil prices, Russia gaining dominant position in world food exports, you are going to increase the amount of rubles you get for your oil by allowing the value of the ruble to fall. And you're also going to increase the um, competitiveness of your food exports because your food is being produced cheaply in rubles and is being sold globally in other currencies. So the result is that we're going to see a rebound in the Russian trade surplus and a strengthening of the Russian current account over the, the second half of this year. We're going to see imports choked off to some extent, which is good because it will take off some of the pressure within the overheating economy and bear in mind, the Russians are also taking steps internally to cool off the economy by raising interest rates. And at the same time, the budget is going to be strengthened as well, because there's going to be more um, receipts from the exporters, the oil and the energy companies, and of course, the food exporters, which will strengthen the budget. Now, if you remember, at the very start of this year, we were talking about the Russian budget. There was one month when the budget was $25 billion in deficit and everybody was saying Russia is going to run out of money. Now the Russian budget deficit has fallen drastically. It's quite likely to move back into surplus over the next couple of months and we will probably have a situation by the end of this year when it either balances or if there is a Russian deficit in the budget, it will be very small. So it works for the Russians to allow the ruble to fall. It's a temporary phenomenon. It doesn't greatly affect conditions within the Russian domestic economy anymore. There will be a small rise in inflation, or at least there will be an inflationary rise. But inflation was brought so low at the start of the year that they have space to manoeuvre in order to let it happen. That's the story of the ruble. It, it, people don't understand how this works, but this is what the Russians do. They've done it before. They're going to do it again. They have handled this whole situation, both with their exports and with their oil revenues and with the grain and with the, uh, a ruble, with their accustomed skill.
How are they handling the situation in Poland? We had some interesting statements from Sergei Shoigu. Yeah. Let's uh, shift gears a bit and talk about those statements from Shoigu. He, he mentioned Poland a lot in his statement to yeah. uh, military officials. What, what do you yeah. make of that? Top, top senior military officers. And uh, I mean, what he's now making clear is that Poland is now perceived by Russia as the major threat. It's, it's, there's a, he, he complains at length about the fact that there is a huge military buildup going on in Poland. This is a direct threat to Russia, that the Russians need to be preparing for, it, for this. And he is singling out Poland as a potential adversary. Now, Russian statements about Poland have been getting stronger almost by the week. So you remember a few about two weeks ago, we had that meeting between Narishkin and Putin at the Security Council, that exchange in which Narishkin was talking about the Poles moving into Western Ukraine at the invitation of the Ukrainians. And Putin said, well, watch the situation. Ultimately, it's nothing to do with us. And the following day, Lukashenko came along and said, this is what uh, this is not actually acceptable. It would, if the Poles moved into Western Ukraine, it would put Belarus in a very dangerous position. We need you to be behind us and support us in this. And now we have Shoigu coming along, strengthening the Russian position even further, making it increasingly clear that the Russians see the Poland as a potential threat as an adversary, the, the scale of the build-up that Poland is undertaking in terms of its military power, he says it's alarming. So what you see is that the Russians are gradually moving to a position where they're going to say if Poland does move into Western Ukraine, it will not be acceptable to Russia. And in fact, the situation is being prepared, I think, for a potential conflict with Poland. If you look at Shoigu's words, I mean, Pol conflict with Poland in Western Ukraine. And I suspect strong warnings have been given to Poland not to even think of going there. So this is, um, this is what Shoigu's message is intended to convey. And by the way, this is where pulling out of the grain deal works again to the Russian strategy because what it has led to is this bitter argument between Poland and Ukraine. The Ukrainians are furious with the Poles for restricting their grain exports. The Poles then retaliated by saying that Poland, uh, Ukraine ought to be grateful to Poland for the military help it's given. This infuriated people in Ukraine. The Polish ambassador was called into the Ukrainian foreign ministry and given a talking to. That resulted in even more strong words from the Poles. Zelensky has tried to sort of calm things, but the whole thing has flared up again. So you can see that the Russians, at the same time as that they're warning Poland about, um, about the risks it's running by getting involved in Ukraine, the grain deal, perhaps unintentionally, is also working to the Russian advantage in that it's creating conflicts between U Poland and Ukraine. Yeah, very interesting. Good, good way to connect those dots. I, I haven't thought about the grain deal well, and how it affects uh, Poland's possible 
incursion into the west of Ukraine. Do you think, a final question, do you think Poland's going to uh, enter Ukraine and enter Belarus? Because Shoigu talked a lot about the Union state. Yes. And while he was warning Poland about West Ukraine, I mean, he was at the same time warning Poland not to uh, enter Belarus because it would be an attack on the Union state and it would obligate Russia to respond. So, uh, okay, so you have Poland eyeing the West Ukraine. That's We've been talking about this for months. All the analysts have been talking about this for months. But what do you think uh, is the possibility of Poland entering Belarus? Or is that I think too it, far for Poland? I think that's too far for Poland. I mean, I think, bear in mind, there, there are Russian nuclear weapons, tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus. I think any Polish leader who went that far would be... Um, I mean, would be putting Poland at unacceptably high levels of risk. I think NATO, uh, Germany in particular, would absolutely not support a Polish move into Belarus that might result in a nuclear war in uh, west, you know, in the regions west of Germany. So I, I don't think it's going to happen. My own personal view is that all of this pressure that the Russians are imposing on Poland and the issue of the grain deal and the quarrel between. Poland and Ukraine. I think actually that Polish order, if you like, to intervene in Western Ukraine is now dimming. I think that Polish society is far from united about this. I think many people in Poland would oppose it. There's elections coming in October, difficult elections. I think that um, the Polish government might have calculated before that if the Polish army marched into Western Ukraine before the elections, that would be a popular move. It would mean, you know, uh, Lvov is being brought back under Polish control again, conjuring up all those old memories. I think what they're probably discovering is that it's actually not a popular move in Poland at all that most people in Poland, even many of them who are very antagonistic to the Russians, do not want to be drawn into a war with Russia. All right, we will leave it there at thedurand.locals.com. We are on Odyssey, BitChute, Rumble, Telegram, and Rockfin. And go to the Durand shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.